Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It's making a list. Checking it twice. How do you get down the chimney? You sex it in my grandpa. Santa baby, slip a sable under the tree. Santa baby? No, it's disgusting. It sexualizes Santa. If you were Santa, you could do magic. Here, let's watch you disappear. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Now from the Bob and Sherry studios, Santa's favorite little helpers, it's Bob and Sherry. Right here. I was so excited to come to work today on a day like today. I have the best job for me, and here's why. I am always reading like really little cool, interesting things, and then I'm dying to tell somebody. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. If I didn't have this job, do you realize I'd be running up to strangers like at the grocery store and tapping them going, oh, oh, oh. I just learned the coolest thing, but I learned the most interesting thing about Christmas lights, the invention of Christmas lights. It is a great American story. And one of the things that make it a great American story is this tradition was born out of the necessity to sell something. And Christmas lights, the tradition that we have of decorating like houses and parks and everything. You're talking about with electric lights. Mm -hmm. We owe it to Thomas Edison. Mm -hmm. Because by the Christmas of 1880, he had the incandescent light bulb figured out. But the harder part was how to advertise it so that people would see it as a necessity and not a novelty. Mm -hmm. So That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, the whole thing was born of a need to (laughs) advertise. So Thomas Edison was a genius. And he was a genius at more than just inventing the incandescent light bulb. Because he gave it some thought and he came upon an idea. As the Grinch would say, he had a terrible, awful, wonderful idea. His laboratory was in um, New Jersey, in Menlo Park. And so, um, in 1880, he strung up his property with incandescent bulbs all around it because his property was next to a railway line and people were commuting on the train Mm -hmm. to the city to work. So they would see the lights. They would see the lights. Free advertising. And those commuters, of course, Mm -hmm. have money because they're, you know, city business people. So he strings everything up and no one doesn't, no one knows he's doing this. He strings all these incandescent light bulbs up and he's got a generator eight miles away that's going to power this remotely. And he flips the switch 
and it is the world's first outdoor Christmas lighting display. How about that? And people lose their minds, yeah, right? right? It's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that, you know, suddenly these incandescent light bulbs, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Two short years later, one of his buddies um, decided, hey, I've got an idea. Let's take incandescent light bulbs and let's put them on a Christmas tree. Because prior to that, the only way you could have lights on your Christmas tree was candles. Candles, right. And that, kids, is as bad an idea as it sounds. <laughs> because but people did it. People did it. Because trees are made of wood, and wood yeah. is flammable fuel, and candles are made of fire. And you can see it's an unholy combination. People did it. So Edward Johnson said, ah, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to light up my Christmas tree. And it... It was very impressive at the time, although we would laugh at it today. There were 80 bulbs, and it was kind of a Charlie Brown-looking tree. And that was also an advertising tool. And they began selling um, strings of incandescent light bulbs to use as decorations. About that? But it was not something for everybody. It was so expensive. A single strand of lights back in 1900 Because remember, Thomas Edison pulled the first electric Christmas display in 1880. 20 years later, you could buy lights in the store. Mm -hmm. They cost $12 a strand, which was $300 in 1900 money. Oh, wow. It was for rich people. Yeah, 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 it was. It was for rich people. Yeah. But the demand kept going. And by 1925, a group of um, companies got together and Mm -hmm. became the... um, uh, Noma Electric Corporation, the biggest Christmas light manufacturer in the whole wide world. And even though they only got formed three years before the Great Depression, they survived the Great Depression. Because from the day Thomas Edison flipped that switch, people loved the warmth and the magic of Christmas lights. Isn't that great? That's so interesting that it Did was you know Edison again. No. I didn't know any of that. That was a good friend he had to come up with that. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And if I didn't have this job, do you realize I'd be walking up to people yeah. at Penny's and going, hey, mm-hmm. I see you're looking at Christmas lights. Perhaps you did not know the yeah. history of the Christmas lights. Yeah. And I'd be going down to the police station to bail you out every once in a while. Yeah. So see, things. The Everything universe, works out. The universe has wisdom. Right. You so know there what? you go, kids. That is the history of Christmas lights. It's Bob and Sherry. Hello. I'm Paloma Vivas, and I am a Dodea assistant principal at Lester Middle School here in Okinawa, Japan. I would like to wish a very special holiday season to all of our friends and family in Pico Rivera, California. Here's Bob and Sherry. The uh, internet is an amazing thing. You know, it can bring a lot of pain and angst into your life. But you know so much about people you would never, ever come in contact with. Like there's a woman in England right now and... What she's doing for Christmas dinner is all over the internet. It's gone viral. She's having Christmas dinner for her family. I don't know how many people, but I got the sense that it was a pretty good crowd, like probably 20 people. And she's having the dinner at her house. She's not going to be serving dinner from her kitchen. She's having takeout delivered in for everyone. And she's charging $21 a head. <laughs> yeah. So what? you... you you can imagine the internet, you know, has has kind of blown up over this. How dare she? How dare she? Somebody, though, with one of their comments said, here's, here's the way to look at it. People who see it as charging family are horrified. People who see it as sharing costs don't see the issue. What do you think? I think that um, as long as everybody that you invite agrees, 
It's kind of like a potluck, but you bring money instead. You bring of money mac instead. And That's right. Now we have a mutual friend who used to have a lobster party in the summer, and everybody kicked in twenty bucks. I didn't have a problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, not at all. I mean, you knew it's not like you got presented with a bill at the end of the night. No, and you were shocked. You just you kind of wanted to help out because lobster is expensive. Yeah, so you throw in twenty dollars, twenty dollars a head. I really don't have a problem with this, to be I, honest with you. I don't either. If as just give me a heads up, I never have cash. So right. let me know that I need to yeah. bring $21. Right, because they probably don't have a machine. Yeah, they don't have square. <laughs> no. So <laughs> I'd, I'd, let me know and I'll, I'll do that. I'd rather do that than eat some foods that I've been served. I know that sounds so Yeah, bougie. but you're getting takeout. It's not like you're ordering your own DoorDash over there. You're you're going to eat what's in front of you. Yeah, but it's probably pretty good. It's 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 you know from oh, a you're, restaurant. You're saying that you'd rather take yeah. your chances with restaurant I delivery would. than some folks home cooking. Yeah, exactly. So what, what now, you, I don't want to eat Popeyes for Christmas. So you don't want to eat something that you're not 100 percent sure where it is, but you suspect the secret ingredient is crushed potato chips and sour cream. I don't. You don't want to eat that. Do you? No, don't get up! Not. Don't you get uppity with of me? Because you're not. you're no better than I am in this in with this issue. Sometimes I'll take a bite of something because you know mm-hmm. you have to. It's polite, you know. You're not going to be rude. Yeah, and I'll be rolling it around in my mouth. And <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. Oh. I know. I know that the secret to Nana's casserole is Pringles. I just can tell. Yeah, I know. I just can feel it. You know what's the worst? You're, but it's like then once you sit a year, down, right? You sit down and you've you've gone through the line, right? And so you're going to take some of the ham because the ham is good, right? And some of the mustard for the ham. And okay, you're going to have a little bit of the. There's some green beans, all right? Just just green beans. You're going to have some of that. There's some stuffing over there. You know, I'm going to get some cranberry but, sauce. But then you start getting to the dishes where the funky potato dish. You're not anytime you're looking at something and you can't instantly identify right, it. Right. You're in the casserole twilight zone. And then you sit down and sometimes I'll pass on the casserole that it, I just don't like the looks of it. And then the cook or the, the hostess will say, Bob, you didn't get the uh bacon and and cheese uh casserole. Oh, I must have walked right by it. And now you got to get up and go and get it. Or if you just take a little bit, which is almost worse, a tiny bit of it. Oh, you need to have more of that. And but, now, if, but if you take a proper amount and then you can't then you get can't it down, it, that's you even worse. You hide it under your napkin. You got to put it in, it in your, your pants. Pocket. You have to put it in your pants. And some things it's so just, stressful this time of the just year. Just by their name. Oh, Sherry, you didn't get some of Aunt Pat's twice fried tater tot cheesy bake? I know. I, I'm not healthy enough for that. I can't. Yeah. My body won't I'm survive so that. I'm just so full. <laughs> that cheesy tater tot bake could kill me. I know. It's so stressful. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. Hey, I'm Sergeant Ramsey's Vega. I'm currently deployed in the Baltic States with Alpha 3265th. I just wanted to say thank you very much to my mother and my father. You guys have supported me more than you could ever know throughout this mission. Uh, it means a lot to me that you guys keep in close contact with me and just keep me warm with all your love. And I also want to give my best wishes to my little brother. I know you just had a son. And um, I wish you and JJ the best. I hope you guys are doing well. I love you guys to pieces. Here's Bob and Sherry. I hope this is growth. I, I am trying as hard as I can. I don't know that I can get through till January 2nd, uh, keeping it together. But I've come to the realization that one way or the other, 
I am going to get the full shaft financially between now <laughs> and January 2nd. And it's begun, it, and, and, it, and it is escalating You're having to, to, work a, at that? to a very fast degree. And here's what's happened. The garage door broke. That was $524 out of the blue. Nice time of the year, right? Um, got a call. Have to send a check to uh, someone to pay for car insurance for the next six months. That's a few hundred right there. Still covering this person. Then you have uh, all of the medical things that you need to get in by the end of the year, right? Before your deductible resets right. to sixteen thousand. Sixteen thousand. That's right. And then the um, lights for the outside. I went and bought those lights I was talking about. The, the blank, nets. The, the yeah. nets. So I didn't buy enough. I bought five boxes. And I discovered that's about half of what I need. Yeah. So I'm going to be out a couple of hundred there. Then I went to plug it in. The electrical box did not work. So the electrician's coming for that. I got to come, I gotta come fix that for you well, and save you that money. I meant well, to do it yesterday. I'm sorry. I was busy. And then uh, I got a, uh, I got the last payment on Allie's wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, though, because we just had a wedding, and the last payment will continue to trickle in after the wedding. How's that work? I don't know how that works. It's like sorcery, but you th- I kept saying to Kevin, all right, that's the last one. No, not really. What? These are late bills that came in for things that you purchased? I think we're done now, okay. but yeah, we had a couple of... After yeah. So anyway, what I've been doing, and then the stock market, of course, has, I don't know what's happened. The elevator just fell through the shaft uh, on that. And so, you know, I have some investments there. And I'm just, I've just been saying to myself, this is life. This is, this is part of life. Mary's taught me that. It's never going to be, and you have to accept this, Bob, except two things. You're never really going to get to that place that looks like people who no longer work, who live overlooking the ocean. That is not going to be happening. You're going to keep working in some way, shape, or form, and you are not going to get a boat. You have to give up on that. Let those two things go. Realize that these bills are going to come in. Something is going to break down. Don't let it be a surprise. You know what I mean? Is that good? I think that that's probably the healthiest thing to do, right? This idea that you're going to get to a place where everything's good, that, the, you know what, the, that's the devil. And you know why that's the devil? Why? That's, because it's a lie that robs you of the present. Oh, yeah. And what does the devil like better than stealing your joy? And all your joy is in the present. Yeah, that's you exactly right. You think it's in the right. future, but that's all your joy exactly is in this moment. right. Yep. So you think what the devil likes is giving Ryan Seacrest new reality show deals on the E-Network. That is not what the devil likes. The devil likes sneaking up on you and robbing you of your joy by making you live in the future or the past. That was a nice Ryan Seacrest devil tie. I did that just Good for, for you. you. I know Good how you like you. that. Yeah, very But nice. even the devil doesn't like deviled ham. Even the devil's yeah. like, what is it with you mitigate? on? <laughs> yeah. I'm the devil man. Yeah, Get keep... my picture off of it. Yeah. I'm the devil. I eat filet mignon. I eat lobster. Yeah. I eat that. But you keep eating it. You'll meet me sooner. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
I think I'm going in the right direction. It's basically called giving up. <laughs> Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is First Lieutenant Michael McCarthy. I'm a 19 Alpha Squadron S1 um, for 11 Cav from Long Beach, New York. I uh, just want to wish my friends and family uh, happy holidays. And uh, mom and dad, love you both. I'll see you guys soon. Here's Bob and Sherry. Okay, back we go to holiday hijinks with our pets <laughs> this morning. Clearing that up we're uh, we're just having um, a ball here Steve, this morning. Hi, you have a you have a thieving <laughs> ferret, huh? Hey, Steve. Hey, how are y'all? We're just great. We're in the holiday spirit. Todd has on his uh, his little elf hat, and we're hoping he'll put the elf ears on a little later on. So uh, I love y'all's show. Thank you. Thank your, you for listening. Your ferret. Tell us about your ferret. Well, my, my wife, she had a, she got a ferret a couple of years ago, and, uh, and I always wanted one, so she let it run loose in the house, and uh, hmm. when we put up the Christmas tree, and we'd come home, and she'd have presents on it, and the bows would be missing. The ferret would, probably, would steal the... We figured out that that's what was happening. The ferret was stealing the bows and hiding them. That's kind of cute, though. You Did know? it have a little nest of bows, or would it hide them everywhere? No, no just had one nest. Of them. We, we found them, I guess it was almost a year later. Mm. I actually had bought my wife a little uh, piece of jewelry, had it in a small package, and we didn't find it during the Christmas holidays. And we never could figure out. And then we found a, a third bedroom, which is a guest room, one of the drawers... She was going up in behind the chest of drawer and had all of them piled up in one drawer. Isn't that amazing, though? It's amazing that she found a little hiding. I mean, that was really clever. The guest room inside the drawers where nobody Nobody looks. would ever go. And she took, and the, the ferret to put jewelry do you, there. Do you remember like a long, long time ago when I was married for the first time, I went into yeah. the guest room drawers where no one went and I found oh, another yeah. woman's underwear? Yeah, I do. It's a similar thing. I bet thing. it was Steve's ferret. And it here, had to be. Here I accused Mike. It had yeah. to be. Can I can dog. I take the apology stage right now and you apologize? Need to call. What is your ferret's name? I really don't remember remember what the ferret's name was. What the hell does Let's it call him Mike. Own Mike pet's name. Let's call Mike him Mike. The ferret. Yeah. And you know it works. Yeah, that's it right. It does. That's right. You brought joy to this place today, Steve. Thank you very much. Of course, I used to call him Mike the Weasel, but yeah. we can go with ferret. <laughs> Mike the, the ferret pit. put another woman's underpants in my guest room. Same family. Sit close enough, yeah, Bob. There you go. And Pop went the weasel. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. I'm Allison Lilliman with U.S. Army NATO in Sandbach, Germany. I'd like to wish my family in Colorado Springs happy holidays. I miss you guys, and I'll see you soon. Here's Bob and Sherry. All right, Max has worked on something really fun. Um, he came up with the the secret kind of hidden meanings that have been lost of some of the most popular traditional Christmas songs. Ooh. Like they mean you, they don't mean just what you think they mean. They're uh-huh. messages and symbols and stuff. Oh. So why don't we start with the 12 days of Christmas? Okay, so what's the hidden meaning? And if you were with us yesterday, we once again salute Bob for his clever, crafty way of sneaking in the cost of the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, and I had you interested toward the end. The song was written by Catholics as a way to celebrate their faith in secret. 
between 1552 and 1829, it was illegal in England for Catholics to practice Catholicism. So they made up a song with secret messages so that they could celebrate their faith. A partridge in a pear tree um, is that's God because a partridge used to be a symbol for a sacred king. Mm -hmm. Two turtle doves, Old and New Testaments, three French hens, the God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, four calling birds, the four gospels, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, The ten lords of leaping were the Mm -hmm. ten commandments. the 12 drummers drumming, those are the 12 disciples of Jesus. And so this was a basically undercover way of an doing undercover it. protest song. Was the the Pope was not in there? Um, I don't think so, no. No, no I don't think the Pope huh. is in there. Um, okay, that's, so that's, that's fascinating. That one. Yeah, what's the next one? Next up, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. So listen to this for a minute. You're not going to believe the story. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. The man who wrote this was named James Gillespie, and he had just lost his brother, and he was grieving. And he was traumatized by his brother's death. He was sitting on the subway, um, reminiscing about the childhood that he and his brother had, and how at Christmas time, his mom, their mom, would tell them that they better behave because Santa Claus was watching. And right there on the subway, thinking about his brother and remembering that, oh, he did the, all the lyrics and he submitted them the next day. That's very poignant. And it became. Mm-hmm. This happy song, which you would never have guessed, had sadness. Came from tragedy, it. yeah. All right, now we go to Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls with bells of Hartley. This is Pentatonics, by the way. So, back in 16th century Wales, a man named Thomas Oliphant took a very traditional New Year's song and transformed it into Deck the Halls. The tune is the same, and most of the lyrics are changed, are the same, except he did change one line. In the original song, the lyric was, Oh, how soft my fair one's bosom. He changed that to Deck the Halls with Bows of Holly. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So he actually brought in the words Deck the Halls. Yeah. But the song has been around for 400 years? Yeah. It just, that's amazing. It was for New Year's, yeah, not for Christmas. That's amazing. It's been around a lot. All right. Um, next up, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front. All I want for Christmas is my two front. So horrible. My two front teeth. See my two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. So the songwriter, Donald and it's a married couple, Donald and Doris Gardner, they were singing with a second grade class. And the assignment was they were going around the room and each child had to sing what they wanted for Christmas. They couldn't right. say it. Right. And um, Donald Gardner said, 
so many of these kids were missing their front teeth. <laughs> and the lisp was so adorable that they uh-huh. wrote an entire song about it. Actually, that's kind of sweet, isn't it? It's yep. hard to listen to, but it's that's a sweet thing, yeah. Do you have what was the year? Do you have the year? I don't that that for that the, one. I, I think fifties. I, I, I think it was earlier than I think it was like really? late forties. Late forties. Yeah. And right. then next up we have Jingle Bells. And Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Oh what fun it is to ride in the fifty seven Chevrolet. Jingle Bells, Jingle Jingle, Jingle all the way. So here is. Here's a fun trivia fact that you can use while you're trying to make awkward conversation at your company Christmas party. Jingle Bells is the very first song that was ever broadcast from space. The astronauts on Gemini 6 played Jingle Bells. It's the very first song that was ever broadcast from space. But it was actually written as a Thanksgiving song. So I guess they were up there at this time of the year? It was act- Like I said, it was yeah. actually a Thanksgiving song. Yeah. There are no real Thanksgiving songs that I can think of. There's, there's got to be some up there somewhere, but not like Christmas songs. So was it called Jingle Bells? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because there's, there's no mention of... Uh, yeah, of We're the just holiday. Yeah. Dashing through the snow. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, we'll come back and do some more of these. Yeah. It's Bob and Sherry. Hello, everyone. This is Staff Sergeant Elton Robo from U.S. Army NATO in Sandbach, Germany. I want to wish everyone back home from Fayetteville, North Carolina, a happy holidays, safe travels, and also enjoy your family. Remember, you do matter. Thank you. Here's Bob and Sherry. Back to the songs. This is really interesting. The uh, story behind the story of well-known Christmas songs. Yeah, Max, this is really cool. Thank you. So we've already done Jingle Bells, All I Want for Christmas, My Two Front Teeth, Deck the Halls, Santa Claus Coming to Town, 12 Days of Christmas. Now we're at O Little Town of Bethlehem. This is Jewel, by the way. How still we see thee I like this version. Okay, so, so the what's man the story? who wrote it is named Philip Brooks, and he actually rode on horseback from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to participate in the nativity scene that's held every year in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to fully experience it. Mm-hmm. So he was part of a caravan of people that rode on horseback. And he said the experience was so profound and so inspiring and let, made him feel so connected to the story, the original story of Christ's birth, that that inspired him to write the song. You know, this has a very peaceful feel to it. Yep. I've never heard it where it did not. And I would imagine being out in the desert on horseback or camel or whatever, there wouldn't be much noise. There'd be a lot of peace. And if you caught a good night, maybe a starry sky. And so he was inspired. Next up is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which was originally written for a movie, Meet Me in St. Louis. But it's very dark. And it was actually darker. The director and the actors in the movie... 
got the guy that wrote the song, Hugh Martin, and they said, dude, this is so depressing. <laughs> and so he actually changed the lyrics. They were more depressing than, than they this, are yeah. now? I can't imagine, unless, what were you giving me grief about? Um, Have yourself. Talking about like my dog getting older and stuff yesterday. <laughs> I mean, they, this was really depressing. If you want to see, if you want to take this song and make it a hundred times more depressing, I think I might have mentioned this to you last year. I can't. Do, you, do I need to move along? Yeah. Okay, let's get the others in. Um, White Christmas, which was written by Irving Berlin. Yes. He was all alone in New York, and he was missing his family, and it happened to air on the radio. It debuted on the radio shortly after Pearl Harbor was bombed. And so it became an anthem for soldiers the following Christmas. Oh, is that right? And that's how it originally got traction as a hit. Yeah. Because it was something we played so it for was the military. Re- it was released, but then... Uh, that's right, because of Pearl Harbor around that time of the year, yeah. And this next one mm-hmm. was not supposed to be a Christmas song. It's a Ukrainian folk song, which is all about celebrating how spring is here. It's about birds flying into your home to bring you luck. It's Carol of the Bells. Sweet silver bells all seem to say throw cares away Christmas is here bringing good This is another Christmas song you either really like or you hate or you don't want to hear it. An English songwriter heard the Ukrainian folk version mm-hmm. and changed it to make it a Christmas song. This is pentatonics again by the way. Mm-hmm. And finally Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, the writer Robert May felt like an outcast all throughout his childhood. He had bad grades. He was younger than the other kids in his class. He wrote the song because he was trying to turn it into a children's book, but um, it never made it as a book. It made it as a song. As a song. And now we have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Is Reindeer. that right? Very good. Nice job there, Max. The story behind the story with our beloved and Christmas song. Christmas was the first song where the recording outsold the sheet music. Oh, is that right? That one fact from the day. Was that in the movie? I think it was in a Bing Crosby movie, yes. Holiday Inn. Yes. I think that's where I read yeah, I knew about it was that one. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. Hello, I'm Army. Song First Class Stephanie Long, stationed with 10th SG at Okinawa, Japan. This is my son, Marquise. And we want to wish you a very special holiday season to all our friends and family in Milling, Georgia. Here's Bob and Sherry. We have lassoed up our co-worker, Tim Double M, to uh, come in and join us um, with his Christmas memory. We're doing that every day this week. It is the Christmas memory spotlight on Double M. And you, you've made your office so cozy and welcoming. We hated to pull you out of it. But yeah. share with us your favorite Christmas memory. You know, it was, um, gosh, I would go back probably 10 years ago and, um, right outside Chicago. Um, I grew up in a house. It was actually adjacent right to where Hillary, Hillary Clinton grew up. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Just kitty corner from it. It wasn't a a lavish mansion by anything, but a beautiful setting, snowing, the holiday gatherings, if you will, with all of the neighbors and and all of the, uh, uh, all the family. Like a Christmas movie, I bet. Yeah, all the kids drinking downstairs because all the parents are upstairs, you know, right. and, and uh, just the typical holiday uh, scenery. So 
And I go down to the basement where we have the pool table, and there's a cloud of smoke. Mm. And I'm thinking, this this is a 911. This isn't good. This isn't normal. So I, I, I run upstairs to my dad. I said, Dad, you got to get downstairs. It's, there's smoke coming out of uh, wow. the wall. And, and wow. It's a pretty serious thing. Yeah. So, um, and, and we're all in. I don't want to say half intoxicated, very intoxicated. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're like, I thought you were going to say, I yeah. don't want to say half intoxicated. We just had one or two. <laughs> they're, they're very but intoxicated. You, know, you were pretty well lit. Yeah let's, yeah, let's be honest. I mean, if you're going to get pulled over. <laughs> uh, the, the, the walls are on fire. It's <laughs> <laughs> not, not the So playbook. what was it? Well, there it, it was an, it's an older house. Yeah. It, there's like this trap door where the fireplace is on the second Floor and there, the ashes fall down to like this pit, which this goes seems, downstairs. This seems like a terrible plan, doesn't I, it? I've never heard about this. Before. I've never so heard about it. It's, you know, maybe a house that was built in 19, I don't know, 20 or something yeah, like yeah. that. And it's a pit that just gathers all this ashes. We never knew about that. So the pit caught on fire <gasps> after a couple decades, decades yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of being there. And again, we're all kind of schnockered, and right. we're thinking, <laughs> all right, you know, what do we do? <laughs> of course, everybody's laughing, and then the fire department shows up, the police department shows up, the neighbors are coming out, and there's an aunt in every family that is just obliterated. Right. It, let's, right. Just, let's just call her Aunt Carol. You know, she right. has- Because uh, um, that's her name. She, yeah, <laughs> let's say she has a mustache, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, it's just the story grows warmer and warmer, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Five. So, so did they? Was there actually a fire in the uh, ash pit? I have another question too. Um, is this the moment that you all discovered that there was a trap door and a smoking pit in your home? Well, the the fire, um, uh, the not the police officer, but the the the, the fire uh, chief came in and said it's a trap door. So we're like, we have a trap door in our house. <laughs> so he, he goes down and pulls it open, and then it, that's where the fire was. So the fire actually did go up the wall, and so uh, there was an actual fire. An actual fire yeah. that happened. Let me, in let me house. just say, I good wonder, home inspector. Well, that's when always you, the when way. You bought the house, it's always right. the way. What? Um, so all the time that that house had been built, and that that trap door pit situation had been there, no one. Had probably ever cleaned it. Nobody did. We knew, who would know about that? Right. You, you don't go into your wall. So I, yeah. I, it, it was a surprise to us. I don't want to say I sobered up. You know, I looked at the police chief. He looked at me and and said, you know, do you have a shovel? I said, for what? He goes for this pit. I said, you mean the, the ash hole? <laughs> and he goes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like that one? Did that, did that bring a smile to the face of a guy who's putting out fires at Christmas? <laughs> Everybody looked at each other and thought, this is a memory. This is a memory. Oh, wow. So yeah. it was the portal to hell Christmas. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I've so. never heard of such a thing. Maybe it's either. common in houses. I and, bet it is. I'm going to get an email going, going. Tell your partner that he's a moron, that there's a fire pit trap door in every house. But I've never heard of it. No, I've never heard of that either. It's no, that that's not that that can't be safe. So maybe when the house was built, heating it with the wood burning fireplace was a thing. Or coal. Or coal, yeah. Yeah. And that's why it was there. Yeah, it was probably coal. 
So did they have to take their fireman axe and break through the drywall or anything? They went through the drywall and they cleaned it all out. And uh, it was, um, I mean, it's, it's not just the wall, too. I mean, everything. I mean, just the carpet. And, oh, it's a I mess. Mean, oh, yeah. right. Yeah, hey, yeah, was, right. Aunt, was Aunt Carol flirting with the firefighters? Aunt, hi, baby doll. You look really <laughs> cute. <laughs> Five Pall Mall cigarettes at one time. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, baby, how are ya? And she's flipping the cigarettes yeah. lit down to the hole. How about Why a kiss? <laughs> Tim, thank you for that memory. That, that was where's the jingle stick for that? Oh, that was right. oh. the jingle stick. There you go. Gosh. All right. That's beautiful. All right. If you have relatives living in the metropolitan Chicago area, maybe yeah. a phone call. Maybe we found Hillary yeah. Clinton's emails down there, too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They had to be somewhere. <laughs> oh, it's Bob and Sherry. Hi, I'm Sergeant Brian Duke with Echo FSC 52nd BEB. I'm a striker mechanic from Alaska. I want to give a shout out to my wife and kids, Nicole, Maddie, and Olivia. I love you. Happy holidays, and I'll see y'all soon. Here's Bob and Sherry. Dan, what is it you're just going to be stuffing into your face? We lived in Chicago when we were young, and uh, Marshall Field Department Store made this awesome sandwich called the uh, Marshall Field Sandwich. And so what mom does is normally makes two turkeys, one for the main meal, and then the next day we have these sandwiches. And what it is is it's an open-faced sandwich. You start with rye bread, turkey, uh, thick-sliced ham, um, not lunch meat but an actual ham, uh, Swiss cheese, fresh tomatoes, lettuce, thick-sliced bacon, and this Thousand Island dressing that I don't know where she got it in a back alley with a briefcase full of cash, but she got the recipe for their Thousand Island dressing. I'm telling you, it, the angina is so worth it. It is <laughs> awesome. And we that sounds delicious. After Thanksgiving and after Christmas. That sound, <laughs> I love a woman who cooks a turkey and then another one on the side for a backup spare. the next day. A spare. Turkey. A spare turkey. That's Isn't fabulous. That awesome? Yeah. That is hey, I do have one more point, by the way. Uh, first uh-huh. of all, I'm standing in Colorado, and it's 45 degrees outside, and the sun's not even up yet. I don't know what's going on. But um, you you guys were talking about blue lights the other day, and I mm-hmm. did want to point one thing out. Um, the the If you put a blue light as your night light, uh, that, is, that is to commemorate and remember officers that have given their lives, police officers. And any cops that are on patrol, uh, they, they make a note of seeing those blue lights on the homes. This time of year, I just, I do think of my brother, Dave Kinderneck, who, who gave the ultimate sacrifice a couple of years ago here in Montrose, Colorado. Uh, just, a, just an awesome guy and uh, will forever, forever be a hero. Uh, just forever. And uh, I, That's uh, his, great, his wife, Kathy, is just a dear. And um, hopefully I can have a sandwich with her this year. I hope you do. I'm so Thank glad you, so you called, much. Dan. Yeah, You're an awesome terrific. guy. And the only way you could be better is if we could mash you up with some cream cheese and cover you with chocolate. <laughs> that's the only way, Dan. That's Dan from Colorado better. right there. 45 degrees. That's too warm this time of the year for Rocky Mountain State. Okay, everybody. You've got the best. Nice. Hello, radio. The best of Bob and Sherry. Hey, I'm Specialist Bureau with Charlie Company 367, currently deployed to Friday, Lithuania. I wanted to give a happy holidays back to everybody back at home in Stewart. Here's Bob and Sherry. All right, what do you have for us? This is the Holiday Hack Newsroom, and there are 20, 26 um, stories in no particular order that you will see or you have already seen okay. on your local TV station around the holidays. The Grinches who stole the presents. Yes. Yes.
Snow flurries. Everyone panic. Yes. I've, I've seen that one already. Fire safety tips. Without a doubt. Yes. Crowded airports. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. A visit to any animal shelter anywhere. <laughs> a heartwarming military story. Oh, yeah. You got to have that. Actually, you know, I like that one. I like, I, I, I like, I like that these. one. It's not that you like or dislike them. It's just every year they roll out. Here we go. The anonymous giver of large random gifts. Yes, yes. And you know what? I like that one, too. These are the Holiday Hack Newsroom topics. These will be covered. People who have to work on Christmas. Mm-hmm. They do because their mm-hmm. businesses are open. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, if you're not working on Christmas, that's a comforting story to see. And, you know, there's a little little bit of a ha-ha in the back of your mind that I'm not, not there, but... I a, thank people. A holiday charity scam. Oh, now scam. I feel awful. I do, I thank people. A holiday charity scam. You'll see it. It's out there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Then there'll be the big story... Wait a minute, hang, before you go on, you thank people face-to-face that they're <laughs> working work on Christmas? On, on and, Christmas? And my father used to do that, and so I, I, I got it nice. from him. So, you, like, how does that play out? What do you do? There, you go, what's I know, the situation? I know it's a holiday, and I appreciate you being here so I can come and buy milk or buy gas or do whatever it is. That is and so it, nice And it of always you. lights people up. Like, God forbid, if someone you love is in the hospital on Christmas, you know, yeah. you have to travel. And here I am on the air saying, I'm, I'm going, ha, ha, I'm not working. And mm. who, what TV, That's nice. any of us who've worked <laughs> in television knows what TV news director doesn't salivate over the how the orphan kids in hospitals are celebrating Christmas. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Shut up. You oh. know they do it. Every year they do it. I know. I know. Here's one. This one's right up there with, this is the television equivalent of when you do the list of how much the 12 days of Christmas cost. Mm-hmm. One is Babies born in local hospitals on Christmas. Oh, Christmas. yes. Yes. I can see the shot. The father is standing up. The mother's, the bed is, is propped up and she's got the baby. Mm-hmm. And it's a tight shot. They start with a tight shot of the baby, right? And zoom out. Um, the war on Christmas. And this takes a couple of different forms. Form number one, they interview people who refuse to spend money or be all commercial at Christmas time. Yes. And um, form yes. number two, people that refuse to um, do anything but the religious observance of the holiday. Yes, always. Here's another one. Here's a fun one. You'll see this on your local TV station. Tips on how to behave at your company Christmas party. Yep, that's right. Like you hadn't heard before, don't drink too much. Actually, I'm kind of guilty of delivering that yeah. one myself. Um, <laughs> any use of the line, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas to kick off a story. Mm. That could be parking at the mall. Mm-hmm. It could be snow flurries coming down. It could be people wrapping gifts. All right, I'm going to give you a line, and you give me the second line okay. that they're going to use. If you thought last Christmas was the most expensive Christmas you ever saw... You haven't seen anything. When we come back, the sharper image... Exactly. ...and the top five most expensive Christmas gifts. Almost. What they would have said is, well, think again. Yeah. That's what they do. The TV weatherman and video of really colorful holiday area light displays. Oh, yeah. I've already seen that one a couple of times. And I like that. I do. I, I mean, it's it's comforting to me to see that every year. Tips on how to not gain weight over the holidays. Without a doubt. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere.
Here's another one. You know, that's a big one on, on like the cable news <laughs> yeah. shows. Oh, headline news, they love that. All day long. Charity And event. by the way, here's one of the tips. Don't eat so damn much. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> a charity event featuring local celebrity dressed as Santa. So the mayor dresses as Santa. The oh, TV yeah. weatherman yeah, dresses as Santa. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. A couple more for you. Um, NORAD tracking Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and where did they do that? During the weather forecast. During the weather. Yeah. And this is the last one that I promise you you will see on your local TV news. The live Christmas Eve report from the mall on last minute shoppers. Shoppers, yes. I think they left some out. I think they left the live nativity out. Uh, They did, yeah. yeah. There is the Christmas card that took 40 years to To arrive. To get delivered, that's very good. Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought of one, and it drives me crazy. The fruitcake story. Oh, Oh, yes. Yes. What is it? What is fruitcake? No one wants fruitcake. I'm here in Claxton, Georgia. You probably have wondered, where does fruitcake come Come from? from. (laughs) When you were on PM Magazine, did you guys go to the fruitcake factory? Well, think again. Um, You know we did. (laughs) I I didn't, but the show did. You're right. We did. I'm so glad it wasn't you who had to do. Hi, I'm Bob Lacey. Oh, and I'm coming to you from the Claxton we, Fruitcake We factory. have some listeners that have some ones to I've add to us. All right, can we break and then we'll come back? Yeah. Oh, look at Jason. Oh, look at Jason. He's got it. Jason, you're so right. Oh, okay. you're so right on it, Jason. Don't right, go away. It's the Holiday Hack Newsroom. Stories you know you're going to see on local TV this time of the year. Hi, I'm Captain Martha Lane Kinnett. I'm currently deployed here in Eastern Europe. I'm from Columbus, Georgia, and i just like to say thank you to both my parents and all of my siblings for supporting me while I'm here overseas. Here's Bob and Sherry. Yes, indeed. Sherry has this really interesting list of stories that you're going to see on your local television station around this time of the year. We had 25 of them, but there were some that were overlooked, and our listeners have come up with them. Oh, Jason's got a good one. Jason, I've seen this one. It's a sad one. It's a bad one. Tell the, but it's there every year. Tell the people, Jason. Well, I'm surprised it wasn't on the list, to be honest. Say it. It's uh, who stole baby Jesus from the nativity scene. <laughs> who stole? The church. That's right. I'm telling you, who stole baby Jesus? It's every year. It's really every year. Was on the list. I'm amazed when you when um when you called and Todd told us what you were calling about. I thought, damn, that's the obvious one. Well, I mean, the funny part is it's what they usually replace him with. Sometimes it's like a pumpkin with a face on it and things like that. One In one um, local news story I saw, they replaced the baby Jesus with a big yellow SpongeBob pillow from Walmart. No, they did not. They did. That is so sick. They did. But they get, you know, they always bring the baby Jesus back. That's one of those things. If you're over at your I mother's, think. your mother and father's house, you know, your, your, your mother's watching TV or something, and she, and she says, Bob, they stole the baby Jesus. And you hear your father, these people. <laughs> These people, they're animals. They're animals. Seriously, who steals a baby Jesus? I know it. I, I mean, do you have no belief in anything that you, of all the things you can steal, that you would take the baby that you Jesus? would do that? Even if you're a 17 year old numbskull, would you not just before your hands go to you pick would up think, the baby? Yeah. Wouldn't you think twice? Jason, thanks very <laughs> bye much. Bye, Jason. Okay, guys, have a good day. Hey, uh, Louis, with us here. Is it Louis or Louis? Yes, Lewis, Bob. Hey, Lewis, I'm sorry. And uh, you have shot as a photographer, a videographer, you have shot video for a TV stations? Yeah, actually what happened was I did a story here in, in southeast Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. a town called Little Wissy. 
about 42 miles out of Little, little, little what? Wussy? Little yeah, what? Little Wussy, right. Little Wussy, Georgia. Very famous for speed traps back in the 60s. Uh-huh. Well, with a name like that, you got to be tough. I know, right? you do. You do. <laughs> you're, right, you're right. Well, anyway, I did this story on a, on a Gene and Crystal Long, and uh, Crystal was from Pennsylvania, and Gene was uh, from Florida. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she had a desire for snow. She missed it, and it doesn't, doesn't really actually snow down here. I think the last time it snowed was 1989. Yeah. So anyway, Gene... Spent the whole night outside of his house with a snow machine that he built himself and made yes. snow for his wife. Yes, I this have seen beautiful. that story. I have yes. seen that story. Or somebody who goes to Michigan and trucks it down and dumps it in the front yard. Exactly. And you know yeah. what was so strange is that story went, made it to CNN, headline mm-hmm. news. Oh, yeah. And it went as far as, as the BBC in, in the UK. Isn't that something? And it just goes to show you what you know, what a wonderful Christmas story will do or yeah. how far it'll travel. How do you spell Little Wussy? I was going to ask. Were you? you? I yeah. believe it's L-O-L-U-D-O-W-C-I. Uh-huh. If, I, if, I, if I'm correct, and uh, my spelling isn't all that great. And I've been on the show before, Bob. I, uh-huh. I actually did the story on a, on a guy that got busted by the GSP with uh, marijuana and alcohol in his, uh, in, his, in his pants during a shootout in Little, near Little Wissy, as a matter of fact. Well, I'll tell you what, there's some action in Little Wussy, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? It, it's, it's also Little Wussy. It's, it's a continent of wake. <laughs> It is, it is, but it's it's a, it's a it's a wonderful little town. So I don't want to uh, right. give it a bad name. No, no, not at all. You didn't, you didn't, Lewis. Thanks so much. All right, man. Bye, bye. Why right. can't Tony get us a station in Little Wussy? I'd love to do that. <laughs> Good morning, Little Wussy. <laughs> one letter away. <laughs> it's one. <laughs> Hi, Craig. How are you? What story? What story is missing from the holiday hack newsroom list? Well, what it is is the returns of one. I'm one of guests. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the returns. Yeah, I won't go to a store till about March or April. <laughs> trying to get through customer service. And here's, Craig, I could here's how, to you here's talk how, all day. Here's how they open up the story. I guess you thought that the crowded stores were a thing of the past. Well, think again. Think again. (laughs) It's returning day. Thanks, Craig. All right, man. Craig is very um, calming to listen to. Yeah, he's all man with a voice like that. That's right. You like a man with a low voice? I bet bet you could be getting into the stores in about February, but April works for Craig. Those things his own way. All right, well, uh, good morning to Little Wussy. Mm -hmm. I'll say. One letter. It's Bobby Sherry. Hello to the specialist Manning. Station at Ryan's Orders Barracks. I always wish my sister a happy Christmas back in Polk County, Florida. Here's Bob and Sherry. Use the Talk Back feature. Talk Back feature. On the free Bob and Sherry app and leave us a message. We are so excited to welcome back to the show one of our very, very most favoritest people. Country music superstar, best-selling author, humanitarian, and sexiest man alive, Jimmy Wayne. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jimmy. How you doing? Hey, Jimmy. Thank you all so much for having me. Yeah, always a pleasure to have you we, on. We wanted to talk to you. You just had the coolest honor of being the Grand Marshal of your hometown Christmas parade. But before we get to that, something a lot of people don't know about you is that you, um, before you became all of the things I just mentioned... You actually worked as a guard in a corrections facility. 
I sure did. I worked in a state prison four years before I moved to Nashville, and um, <clears throat> I, uh, I remember something very uh, special, if you will, uh, that happened in prison on Christmas Eve. Um, a fellow uh, employee was scheduled to work Christmas Eve, and he's an older gentleman. He was actually a granddad, mm-hmm. and um, I had Christmas Eve off. Well, I didn't have a family. I didn't have, you know, wife and kids and really didn't have anyone to wake up to Christmas morning. And I thought, maybe I'll volunteer to work for him. And I just made this up. I just like, man, I'll just, I'll just do it for you. And um, I worked for, for him and maybe somewhere down the road when I need an extra day in Nashville because I was making trips back and forth to Nashville trying to make it in the business. Maybe he'll work one of those days for me. Yeah. So it was a it was an even trade I thought and and he and of course he he was just so happy he said yeah thank yeah. you so much for that man I I get to be with my I can stay home on Christmas Eve and wake up on time and be with my family and grandkids and open presents that's great well I didn't expect anything out of that I went to work that that night it was a third shift uh, uh, spot and then I, I showed up at the prison and typically and normally a prison is relatively loud. Uh, convicts are walking around, they're playing cards, they're watching TV, they're doing push-ups, they're, you know, they're doing what you do in prison. Mm -hmm. Well, on Christmas Eve, it is very, very quiet. Really? Yes, it's shut down almost. No one's moving around, no one's watching TV, and it's because they want to be home with their families, and they're so depressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they spend time mopping the floors, and they'll spend more time mopping floors than they usually do. I mean, everything is spotless in a prison on Christmas Eve. I mean, they huh. they try to burn up the time by keeping busy. Yeah, they yeah. Keep their mind off their family, whatever. Right. So I, I check in, I clock in, and the sergeant on duty, we do a shift briefing. He says, it's Christmas Eve. It's a very dangerous time of year. Uh, stay vigilant. Keep your eyes open, your ears open. And, uh, of course, I had... A dorm, A block, and A block was where the death row convicts were. Mm. Had been commuted to life, and uh, of course they move move on down. Well, I had A block and B block, and I'm standing, you know, I'm walking up and down this really shiny corridor, and around 11 o'clock the lights go out, so you have to go up to this breaker box, turn the lights off, and it does make that noise like you would think. Uh, sounds like in a prison, like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And. And as soon as those lights go off, then the night lights come on, and they have a humming sound, like a, a light does, a street light outside. So I'm, I walk down about 12 o'clock at night, and I walk down to the middle of this corridor, and I'm standing there, and it's shaped like an X. So I'm standing in the middle of the X. I'm looking down A dorm, B dorm, and C and D dorm. About, I don't know, 12.30, I heard... Excuse me. I heard this humming, and I thought, man, I, I wonder if one of those nightlights is going to go out. But I, I continued to stand there, and then I heard, and I and I realized that's someone singing, someone's humming. And the sergeant walked out of his office because it was echoing down the prison hallway. And obviously, he could hear it from his office. And this voice was so big and and, and strong. And it was kind of like an old 
you know, black gospel voice, like a James Cleveland sounding right. gospel singer, one of those old school guys. Right. And I realized it was coming from Adorm, where the death row uh, lifers and those guys were. And I walked over closer and I, I saw this convict laying in his bunk. He was a big fella. And he said, Holy night. I mean, just gargling oh. in his voice. And then I just stood there. The sergeant walked down. He says, you know, all you could hear was those big keys on his ring, uh, key ring. And he said, don't say anything. Don't stop it. And so we stood there and we listened to him. All is come. All. And he just sang this loud rendition of holy night from the cell and i looked around and i saw grown men in their beds in their bunks crying Mm. and some of them pulled the sheet over their head and they just wept Mm. and and when he got to the last part he he just sang it he burst he he just belted out this sleep in heavenly and i mean just it rumbled throughout the entire prison and it just it was so beautiful and loud and just, it was just anointed. And, and it was like, I felt like I walked into that situation, not expecting a gift, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I got probably one of the greatest gifts that Christmas I just bet. by experiencing that man singing. And the and when I felt like I'm a spiritual person, I felt like it was the Holy spirit. I felt like I received that that night. And that's what God gave me in return of letting that man, what a be gr- home with his family, Jimmy. What a great story! And it, there wasn't there wasn't any hooting or hollering. They gave him center stage. It was quiet as a. It was a quiet before a riot. Yep, and, and that's no joke. Yep, no one applauded. He he hit that last note. Sleep in heaven. I mean, I can't. I can't even do it justice. This that is such. Was, wow. That is one of the prettiest, most beautiful stories around this time of the year and, I've ever heard. And I bet that you think of that every single Christmas. Happy holidays from the West Virginia Surf Team. Here's Bob and Sherry. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi there, Mike. How you doing, Sherry and Bob? So you were headed to Michigan, and what happened? Yeah. We, uh, let's see, we spent Christmas Eve here in Kentucky with my family, headed out right after so we could go up to my wife's family. Uh, she was just pregnant again with our second child. It was, I don't know, 2, 3 in the morning. It was very early. I was tired, grumpy. I pull into a gas station, and a white car comes racing in, makes a turn. I don't hear the police sirens, but I guess they were on. I was just kind of in a daze. Hit a gas pump and then just disappeared with the police chasing it. So I go to another gas pump at the same station, get gas, and, you know, kind of freaking out from that. And as I leave and then pulling out, here comes the same damn car chase with two or three cops after it. And the car's a little more beat up and just whipped past and almost hit me again. And I did, I was like, why did we even come here? You mean this car was driving around like some Walmart parking lot or something no, trying to elude the police? It was Flint, Michigan, and uh, it was just a little gas station that was open. We needed gas. You know, everybody yeah. was sleeping in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, out. It, it clipped the pump right next to me. Two police cars come through, and then as the you know guy comes out and I'm all right, I get gas, and as I'm leaving, that same car with maybe another policeman after it, <laughs> still on the run, but a little more beat up, bumper hanging, and just trying to run. And I didn't even see much in that town. I don't even know if they had a Walmart. I don't know. I mean, it just was... There's not much left in Flint, unfortunately. 
you know it that was very depressing for me and you know i was yeah. tired and everybody's sleeping in the car and i don't even think they realized that it happened yeah so isn't it funny mike how um you'll never know the mystery of what that car chase was all about and then the I other know. thing that's true and i so relate to this i know bob does too when you're when you're a certain kind of tired any crazy thing could be happening, and you don't have the energy to investigate it. It's almost like you're bulletproof. It was almost a dream. I yeah, mean, I yeah. Was so tired, and I was like, "Did that really happen?" And as I left, it was still going on. <laughs> that you know that kind of tired, Max. It, it, you're so tired that you almost want to say, "Yeah, why don't you just spin around again and come right through my car? I don't care. <laughs> Do whatever you want." You're too tired to duck. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, All right, well, listen, thanks a lot. Happy holidays, okay? Same to you. Same to you. Same to you, pal. All right. That was a giveth and a taketh right there. (laughs) You're listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. My name's Sergeant Mason Fry. I'm assigned to Bear Battery, 427FA, 1st Armored Division, here at Forward Operating Site Torrin. And I'd like to wish my family a happy holidays back in Finley, Ohio. Here's Bob and Sherry. We're joined right now by Ken Davis, who is one of our favorite guests. And you know that I have mentioned his book. As a matter of fact, Ken, I, I, I don't think a week goes by that somebody doesn't ask me for an email. What was the name of that book that you were talking about? I don't know much about history is the one of them. And I know you have other ones, too. We, we get uh, inquiries about your work so much, and we, we really enjoy you coming on. Thank you very much. Well, then I feel my work here is done. I <laughs> Good well, morning, guys. Good morning. Happy holidays to you. Same to you. Well, what, let's start with um, the basic stuff. Why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th as opposed to the 23rd or the 27th? Because um, it's not really Jesus's actual birthday, is it? Well, no one knows the answer to that question. So it, it, it might be, but so might 364 other dates in, in the year. So, uh, you know, and, and let me start this off by saying, first of all, this is not to diminish or demean Christmas in any way, but just about everything that we enjoy and love and cherish about Christmas really does have a history, and a lot of that history comes from a time before Christianity even existed. Uh And so I I think it's fascinating to find out what the story is behind these things, and the December 25th date is a perfect example of that. Um, We're going back to ancient Rome now. We're going to a time before Christianity existed. Uh, We're talking about a week-long festival that celebrated the return of the sun on the winter solstice. And this is very appropriate because it happened on, on Monday morning at 7.04 Eastern Time. The, uh, the sun stops going further south and then stops and starts to make its way further north. Mm-hmm. The days start to get longer. That was a very important thing to people in a world with no light who depended on the sun for everything. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the winter solstice was a really important date on the calendar. And in ancient Rome, that date was December 25th. So there was a week-long festival to celebrate the return of the sun god, and it was called Saturnalia. And they would celebrate it with gift-giving and lighting candles and hanging wreaths and singing songs. Gee, doesn't all that sound vaguely familiar? Isn't that interesting? They were hanging wreaths, too? They did They did hang uh, evergreen wreaths because evergreens, not only in ancient Rome, but in many, many uh, ancient cultures, were mm-hmm. a symbol of life, even when... Other plants died off. Mm-hmm. Evergreens stayed uh, stayed alive. So that that notion is a is very very ancient one. Um, what happened eventually was that the the Pope, when once Rome became Christianized, 
the Pope was powerful enough to dis- to say one year, and this is around the year 400, Pope, uh, the Pope's name was Julius. Um, he said that uh, this is no longer the day that you celebrate the sun god, the return of the sun god. This is the day that we will celebrate the mass of the Christ. The light that is coming into the world is not the sun god returning, but the light that comes through Jesus Christ. And, you know, in a way it was kind of early uh, marketing. Uh, they were taking something that was very popular to the people and... Mm-hmm giving it a new meaning, putting a new face on it. Rather so, than would, trying to change to the change tradition. It, yeah. Exactly. Trying, uh, Isn't I mean, that try, trying to suppress uh, what was, you know, there was nothing, certainly nothing harmful about the celebration itself. It was just the, uh, the idea had to be uh, changed as far as the Church was concerned. Uh, so they were very content, and, and this happened in many ways around other, uh, other holidays as well, but it's certainly most significant about Christmas. Uh, in the sense that uh, here we are 2,000 years later, uh, still celebrating Christmas on December 25th. And, of course, the Bible nowhere mentions a specific date of Jesus' birth, nor does it mention the year in which he's born. That's been, been the subject of, uh, of scholarly debate for about 2,000 years. Uh, and a lot of this material, by the way, I discuss in a book called Don't Know Much About the Bible and another one called Don't Know Much About Mythology, uh, two books that um, talk about uh, the, the ancient world and what people believed and thought and wrote. That, that but, is so interesting, Ken, that the, actually the Pope designated a holiday as the uh, official celebration of the birth of Christ. Right, and, and as I said, so many of the, uh, the other things that we cherish about uh, Christmas do come from a similar mm-hmm. circumstance, and so many of them are related uh, to the solstice, and, and it's, so it's no accident or coincidence that the, this holiday, which is so much about light and, and, and new life and hope uh, coming into the world, come on what is uh, the, essentially the darkest time of the year. Uh, I, uh, I'm up in New York, and, you know, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it's dark and it's cold, and you can imagine what that was like in the, in the ancient Free world. Pre-electricity, Sure. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Sure. Well, sure. While, we're, while we're talking about um, the evergreen and all of that, where, where did the Christmas tree come from then? Okay, well, the Christmas tree comes more from the northern uh, European tradition of the uh, German, uh, Germanic people and the, the Viking people, the people known as the Norse. And they also had a very significant winter solstice celebration. Uh, their uh, celebration involved uh, uh, lighting a tree. Uh, they would actually, the, again, to them, the evergreen tree was a sacred object because it, it did live while everything else around it died. So oh, yeah. this, mm-hmm. this hope of spring, especially in a very snowy mm-hmm. climate, so, you can imagine. So, so the, the Vikings would celebrate this miracle by setting it ablaze? Well, they, that is so they, Viking. There was a, a very specific reason. They, wanted, uh, they would cut a, a round piece of the log and light it, and it would look like a wheel of the sun. And you could imagine this disc, and they called it the wheel of the sun, and it just so happens that the Norse word for wheel is Yule. So when you burn the Yule log, the Yule log. you're bringing Isn't out your inner Viking. That the word. Isn't that interesting? The word essentially means wheel, and they were they were creating a sense uh, a, a you know an image of the sun. Now the the thing about the uh, Vikings is that they also had a story in which the king of the gods, Odin, uh, brought the sun back on the solstice. He, he would deliver the sun god on this day, and he rode across the winter's night sky on an eight-legged horse. Is that sounding a little familiar to you? Something it does. About Isn't that interesting? Number eight. 
Well, he would also, the Viking children, uh, and, and this tradition spread throughout Europe, would put out their shoes at night to leave hay and straw for Odin's horse. And if they left something for Odin's horse, Odin would then leave gifts in exchange in their shoes. How about that? So now are you getting, uh, is the picture yeah. coming into focus here? The, yes. The, the whole notion of a, of a father Christmas character, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's, it's a very old idea. It goes by some, the, the notion that somebody's going to come and bring us nice presents in the middle of winter uh, is, is an ancient idea. So it must be true. That's the way I look at it. Um, hang on. We'll be right back with Ken Davis. Hello, everybody. This is Specialist Tony Zabala. I'm currently deployed in Poland. I'm assigned to 135AR. I would like to wish my family and friends back in Apple Valley, California, uh, happy holidays. And to my son, Adonis, I love and miss you so much, and I cannot wait to get home to you. Here's Bob and Sherry. We're back with our guest, Ken Davis. We're talking about the traditions behind the Christmas things that we all take for granted, where they come from. And it turns out that we owe the Vikings quite a lot, don't we, Ken? Uh, we do. I mean, the, uh, and so many of these traditions, to spin out the Christmas tree story one more step, uh, in Germany during the Middle Ages, after Germany was, was Christianized, uh, this powerful idea that the Christmas tree represented life in, in the midst of the winter uh, was part of the Christmas Eve tradition there. They presented something called the Paradise Play, and uh, they would actually uh, present a play in which uh, there was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they had to represent the tree in Eden, so they brought in a, a live evergreen tree. And, uh, of course, what does the tree in Eden have? It had an apple on it, so they hung a round red apple in the evergreen tree. So, again, here you see the beginnings of, of the decorated Christmas tree tradition. Isn't that interesting? We, we know, of course, that uh, many people sing the, the, the German song, Tannenbaum. Mm-hmm. It was clearly a, a German tradition. came to America with German immigrants in the early 19th century. And I, I just point out once uh, one little interesting historical thing from the American perspective about Christmas and all these so-called pagan traditions, the Puritans in Massachusetts understood this. They knew where all these uh, things came from. They thought that these things were so pagan, they actually banned Christmas celebrations in Boston, Massachusetts for about 20 years in the 1600s. Oliver Cromwell did the same thing in England uh, during the period that he uh, ruled the country under what was known as the Protectorate. So early Protestants really objected to the pagan nature of Christmas celebrations. They also also thought that uh, these were too, they were too Catholic, or what they would have called popish. And it really speaks to this whole period when there was tre- tremendous animosity between Catholics and Protestants. And then the Kennedys and, came along and they said, we need to party a little bit more this time of the year. Well, you know, well, it's interesting, it's that- Ken, because in my neighborhood, many of the Protestants protest the colored lights. <laughs> they want everything to be <laughs> white lights and simple decorations. So That's, these I things mean, continue. Every, everyone, everyone finds their own reason to protest things, and it's usually it's, it's interesting to find out where, where these things actually come from. What, 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 was, the year, I, what was the year with the uh, beginning, roughly, the uh, period, the beginning of the Christmas tree? Uh, the early 1800s uh, in, in America. But before that, with the apple, with when it was a pagan... Oh, this, this, this goes back to... Uh, no, this goes back to Christian times in medieval Europe, so that we're okay. talking about from in the 800s to the, to the okay. 1200s in right. that period. 
Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, it, the part playing out the German uh, aspect of this tradition, the legend always was that uh, people had begun to use the Christmas tree, the Tannenbaum, which actually means fir tree, not Christmas tree. And it was Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, who's out walking one night and looks up through the trees and sees the stars twinkling, and, and uh, he is credited then with the idea of putting lights in the tree. Really? Represent. Yes. Cool. There's no, no documentation of that, but it's, uh, it, it is an interesting story. So um, it's, it's a very Protestant idea to put your, your lights in the tree. Martin Luther thought of it. Um, but C- Can it, I ask you about, I'm really curious, we have a lot of Canadian listeners, Ken, and they celebrate something the day after Christmas called Boxing Day. That's right. And I'm guessing it's not about, like, you know, prize fighting. What on earth is Boxing Day? Uh, Boxing Day is simply a British tradition, so it's uh, in all the British uh, uh, Commonwealth, former British Commonwealth countries. It goes to the time when the nobility opened their gifts on Christmas Day, and the servants had to work. Uh, So the next day, the servants were given a box with their gifts in it, and it's tied into St. Stephen's Day, which is December 26th. St. Stephen is the first Christian martyr. got related to charity and and good works so the less fortunate were given a box on the day after christmas and that's why wow isn't that isn't that interesting well you know what i'm going to go out and buy i already have don't know much about history i'm going to buy don't know much about the bible and i'm going to share it with uh, sherry we're both catholic (laughs) and we need we need to catch up with our baptist friends a little bit Ken, you have a wonderful holiday. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Very safe and Happy New Year to all of you. It's Bob and Sherry. I'm a specialist, Abby Zimmerman. I'm on rotation here with 48 BAB to Poland. I'm from Nuego, Michigan. Uh, I'm a 12 Bravo combat engineer. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Here's Bob and Sherry. Good morning, Harry. Morning. How you doing, Harry? Uh, pretty good. Yeah? You uh, in the holiday spirit, are you? Uh, not really. What's the matter, I'm, I'm baby? Go screw myself. <laughs> What's the matter, pumpkin? Why aren't you in the holiday yeah. spirit? Uh, I just, I mean, I like, I like the gifts and all, but I really prefer spending it with my family. Where, well, where are you spending it? Um, here in Georgia. Is your family not with you? Uh, no, they live in Utah. Are no. you being held captive? Are you running by... from the law? What's going on <laughs> there? Have you been thrown out of Utah? I mean, what's the deal? No, we just moved here. I don't. Uh, oh, okay. when my parents got married. When, hey. your, when your parents got married, you moved there? Uh, yeah. And then they uh, they left you there and moved back to Utah? No, no. My uh, grandfather lives in Utah. Oh, you miss your oh, extended okay. family. What oh, part I see. Of, what yeah, part of this U- was, this was last year. We, what, what part of Utah did you come from? Uh, I forget. <laughs> this was last year. All right. Well, that's, I don't it's really a big state. The There's a lot of towns well. there, you know. Harry, I don't any, know quite any what... Any more questions? Well, I'm just... I'm going to be honest with you, Harry. I don't know quite what to make of a man who misses home but can't remember where home is. No, cause, no, because we were there, and... Harry, I've just got to ask you, are you baked? Are you just uh, as high as a kite this morning? What's going on with you, Harry? No, not this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, last night. Last night? Yeah. We holding over yeah. from last night, my Old friend. Old Harry's not been to bed yet. Because, you know... Uh, <laughs> Max and Bob are giving you the fish eye. No, I want to work with you. I know what his last name is. Of the dog. Yeah, I want to work with you, Harry. I want to keep you on the air. I want to, I want you to tell your story, but but you're puzzling to me. Sorry. Now, Harry, let me help you out here. You forgot a Christmas present, or somebody did. Before. Is anyone surprised? Yeah, we. Yeah. No, we we flew to. Go ahead. I'm listening to you, Harry. Ignore them. They're all. They're just, you know. He doesn't remember where he's from. How's he going to remember to bring Christmas presents? <laughs> no, it wasn't my fault. It was my mom. 
Oh, I see. It's genetic. All right, go ahead. <laughs> no, actually, it's not genetic. It's not that forgetful. Uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with genetics. When does vacation start? <laughs> I think for Harry about two days yeah, ago. Yeah, right. Okay, so you're on your way to this unnamed destination in Utah, and then what happens? Uh, we, we like, flew there, and when we got there, we were, like, we were like two hours from wherever we were. Uh-huh. And uh, we, were, we were, like, going through, we were, like, finding all our stuff out of the uh, terminal and all, and we realized that we had left, we had left, like, nearly 50 presents at home. That's a lot of presents to leave behind. Yeah. You could figure one or two, maybe three or <laughs> no, four. we left them all. Fifty, yeah. We have, we have like, a couple of cousins and my grandfather and oh, my grandmother. Oh, How long ago was this, Harry? This was last year. So yeah. you were at this place last year, then you don't remember where it is no. this year. Was it, was it, um, let me, let me guess. throw out some famous Utah landmarks. Provo. Your Salt Lake City. <laughs> Provo. Provo Park City. I, I wasn't exactly with my family that year. <laughs> Not the whole time, anyway. Are you a married man? No. Um, are you? What do you do for a living? Are you a student? <laughs> yeah, I'm a He's student. He's a travel agent. I'm Look, 16. You're 16. You're, you're 16. Okay. All <laughs> yeah. right. Now it's coming into focus. Okay. <laughs> really? How's that geography going for you? Geography class. Geography sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a Merry Christmas. I'll give you the old jingle stick, Harry. Thanks for starting right, us off. Thanks. All right, pal. There he is. Harry from Utah, now residing in I hate in when people say the youth of America are inartic- inarticulate. I know it. I feel that they're in good hands. <laughs> now, let's go to Derek, um, and let's see if Derek knows his own name. Derek. Hey. How Are you, you there? Hi, Derek. Yeah, I'm Derek. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, uh, this is about your mom? Yeah. All right, well, bring uh, it on. What did old mom do? When I was two, mm-hmm. we had a Christmas tree from Walmart, the old Christmas tree that wasn't fireproof. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She decided to leave the lights on so people could see it driving by late at night, and it melted the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. Oh, darn it. It melted the Christmas tree. What did that the look like? shorted out, and the, the wax that the tree was made out of, or the plastic it was made out of, melted onto the presents. Can you imagine so, something at Walmart that was crap? <laughs> <laughs> and this, and, and so your gifts were all gloopy and ruined? Yeah, we had to chisel them out. They were hard. It was like a candle wax hard, and you had to, like, chisel them out. And I just remember waking up with my dad screaming. <laughs> You know what I'm finding when we take these calls? We, we hear them every year. Those are the Christmases that people remember. Yeah, that's the, the first the, memory I have of Christmas is a, a, a melted Christmas tree. And your daddy cursing. Yeah. That's nice. yeah. yeah. That's always nice. I mean, look, my remembering the old man, you know, using the cement, which was a disaster. Do you remember the really great Christmases? I mean, no. I, at, at my uncle's I do, but I mean, most well, of the time Bob. we remember... The, as a disasters. kid, as a kid, I always knew that Christmas was Jesus's birthday because it was the day of the year when my dad screamed his name more than any other. <laughs> I mean, my I had the, I had a dad yeah, like yours, Derek, right, where right. you know you rang in the holidays with like screaming profanity. Yeah, I remember my my toy fire truck was just covered in like white glue. Oh, the irony! Oh, that's do that's you just um awful, Eric. Now, do you do you know where you are this morning, Derek? Yeah, I'm in Lake City, South Carolina. Excellent, All right, good. good. And and you're gonna have a big time Christmas down there with your family. Oh yeah, yeah. My wife's expecting a baby in January. Uh, no, no kidding. Oh, this. Yeah. So this is your first pregnant Christmas. Wow. Yes. It's magical. Yes. A lot to look forward to. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm right here at a train track right now. Are you a choo-choo train engineer? No, I, I work right across from the train track, so you can probably hear the train in the background. 
That's a lonely sound, isn't it? <laughs> we hear it every day about five times. What do you do by the train track, I guess, was the question. Because <laughs> I know we what have, like I would do by the train tracks, yeah. but what do you do? <laughs> we have a little, uh, it's called regional finance, and uh-huh. we're just a finance business, and I'm the assistant manager. So. Very oh, good. okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, nowhere for us to go with that, not being financial people. <laughs> I Jared- used to be a um, prison guard, though. <laughs> there we go. Here we go. <laughs> Did you ever work in the prison on Christmas Day? Uh, I was supposed to this year, and I quit. Oh, you're kidding. Were you no. just was that job just too stressful? Well, it, it it would drive you nuts, you know. It was they would play you off each other and you know, it it was just too stressful for me, you know. What are you going to give the wife this year? She's pregnant. Oh, I buying her a necklace from Zales that she's been wanting for about a year. Wow. That's nice. Yeah, hopefully That's awesome. she's not listening this morning. I just give that away. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Well, uh, we've all got a contact high from Harry, I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it's making us all a little loopy. There. Thanks a lot, Derek. Have a Merry right. Christmas, pal. You too. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. Christmas in prison. Food's real good. Had turkey and pistols. Carved out of wood. It's Bob and Sherry's show. Hello, I'm Army. Song First Class Stephanie Long, stationed with 10th SG at Okinawa, Japan. This is my son. Marquise, and we want to wish you a very special holiday season to all our friends and family in Milling, Georgia. Here's Bob and Sherry. Oh, it's that time of the year when hopefully you get to have at least one day where you never get out of your jammies and you just binge on movies. And if you're like me, one of your favorite holiday movies is Love Actually. Well, I have a fun fact for you about Love Actually. Claudia Schiffer, Liam Neeson's character, has a huge crush on the model Claudia Schiffer. The actual Claudia Schiffer makes a cameo appearance in the movie where she plays a mom at Sam's school named Carol. So she's not playing herself, but it's Claudia Schiffer playing this mom. She's in the movie for 60 seconds, but it feels like a lot longer because it's such a pivotal scene. She was paid $267,000 for that 60 seconds of work. Oh, wow. And then she gets some kind of a residual Mm -hmm. on it. Now, the kid that played the bully in The Christmas Story... Yeah, They asked him, they said, so are you making bank on the movie? And he said, well, yes, but let's not get too nuts about it. He said that he makes every two years, they send him a check for about $1,800 Canadian. Because I guess the movie, parts of it were filmed in Canada. That's not what Bob's idea of mailbox money is. (laughs) I have to say, not at all. No, but but it does tell you that. They are still making some kind of money on it. It may not be a lot. Hollywood is just like the rest of America in that there's a handful of people at the top who make more money than your mind can really grasp. And then there's everybody else who are doing on some version of, all right. Yeah. And the one day that I was on that uh, uh, daytime drama when I was on One Life to Live, they sent me a residual check and the check is for like $4.38. Because they showed it somewhere, I guess overseas or something, and I never cashed it. I just framed it. So I know somebody, it, it goofed up somebody in the bookkeeping department at ABC. Well, just yesterday, Kevin and I got our federal tax refund. It's a dollar twenty nine. This girl's buying a scratcher. <laughs> it's Bob and Sherry. Thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast, the Oddcast, and Talking Lamar. We would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review, and maybe share it with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again so much for listening. 
Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.